Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if there's one thing I've learned from the past five or six months, it's just how quickly life can change. So often, we have life all planned out. Um, Elaborate details run together with the words, and then, and then, until we have our lives just neatly mapped out this way or that. And then, what happens? Life happens, right? The car breaks down, we get sick, a loved one dies, the phone rings, a painful letter arrives, a test result doesn't go the way we want it, the weather changes, we blunder, we stumble, or, gosh, I don't know, maybe a global pandemic takes over the whole world, and then life gets turned upside down, and all of our plans go flying out the window, and we're left there wondering, What happened to all my wonderful plans? I think the disciples are feeling a little like that in our reading today from Matthew chapter 16. Let me read from verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. You will recall last week's gospel reading, perhaps. It comes right before this reading today, also from Matthew chapter 16. Peter and the other disciples are asked by Jesus, Who do you say that I am? And they say, You are the Messiah, Son of the living God. And that was a good answer. So good that Jesus says the answer must have come from God. So good that Jesus promises to build his church upon the foundation of that confession. And you know, when Jesus started talking about being the Messiah, when Jesus started talking about building upon that rock a mighty church stronger than Hades itself, the disciples' brains must have whirled into motion. You see, Hebrews like Peter and the other disciples had been waiting for God's Messiah for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years they'd waited for this Messiah that they presumed would restore the nation of Israel to its greatness of old. And when Jesus suddenly says, I'm that guy, 
They must have already started imagining the revolution. In their minds, Rome would soon be shown the door. A mighty king would once again sit on the throne. Israel's enemies would soon be under their feet, and it would be well again for God's chosen people. But then Jesus bursts their bubble. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo undergo great suffering and be killed and on the third day be raised, writes Matthew in chapter 16. Jesus wasn't going to be the Messiah that they'd hoped for. He wasn't going to be a great political leader. He wasn't going to restore Israel to greatness, at least not the way that they had planned the greatness. He wasn't going to do any of that. He was going to suffer and die. And he was asking them to follow in his footsteps too. And that all would have seemed completely ludicrous to Peter and the others when they imagined God's Messiah. When you think of a Messiah, when you think of someone coming to save the day, Suffering and death is a ridiculous thought. So you cannot blame Peter for objecting. After all, he'd been waiting his whole life for the Messiah, just the way he'd imagined him. And for about five minutes, it looked like he was going to see Israel's greatest moment, just the way he'd imagined it, right there during his lifetime. But then Jesus seems to take it all away with these images of of suffering and and death on a cross and and then this call for Peter to pick up a cross for himself too. This cannot be, says Peter. But Jesus tells him to stand between him and his cross is to act as Satan himself. This is the path that God chose for Jesus. This is the path he has chosen for his followers too. The path to salvation by way of the cross. The disciples could hardly believe their ears. And even though we've heard about this suffering and and dying many times before, we too might be a, a bit bewildered, even again today, at these words of Jesus, especially when we stand them right next to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, our, our second reading today. The life of the Christian says Paul, is to love others deeply and humbly. We are even to bless those who persecute us. We are not to seek vengeance over those who do us harm. Rather, we are to give food and water to our enemies. This is a difficult word. This is a challenging call. We are called today to put our faith in a Messiah who was meek, humble, put to death on a cross. We are called today to set our own gain and and power aside and follow the same path that Jesus has walked. We are made no guarantee of safe passage. We are made no guarantee of the good life. We are made no guarantee that our life will be free of struggle and pain. And yet with all its audacity, we are asked to take up our cross and follow Jesus. To confess that even though he suffered and died, powerless and humiliated like a common criminal that in fact he is the savior of the world the savior of you and me what on earth are we to do with such a crazy backward confusing jesus follow 
follow. Just, just like Jesus' first disciples, there is nothing to do with this backward Messiah except follow. Confused, scratching our heads, we pick up our crosses and follow. We follow this Jesus, this Messiah, who has chosen what seems to be a totally backward way of saving us through humility, suffering, and death, and calling us to the same humble route. Christ calls us to set aside our pursuit of glory and instead invest our lives in service to our neighbors. I just know that if you spent even a few moments in thought and prayer, you could think of challenging ways right now that God is calling you to set aside your own needs and serve the needs of others. May God strengthen you in the coming days and weeks to take up those crosses of humility and serve. And I also know this, that before us stands some very obvious, greater good callings as well. Whether we like it or not, our call to service right now means putting a mask on. And I believe continuing to alter the way we worship, the way we gather with others. We may not like it, but following Christ means putting down our own importance and serving others in this significant and costly way. And I know this too. Another way that we are being called to lay down our lives for our neighbor is in the pursuit of racial justice. This past week we saw once again we have a major problem in our country. To put it personally, I've added yet another city to my list of cities that I need to warn my kids about visiting. Unfortunately, I now have to say to Barakat, Shatu, Teshi, and Amsala, you better be careful in Kenosha. Maybe don't go there at all. Unarmed Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back. And as much as we'd like to say, well, that's not our problem, it is our problem. Because we're part of a system and we need systemic change. And I know we'd like that change to just come as easily as possible with as little effort or sacrifice on our own part as possible, right? But changes like this require sacrifice and hard work. And I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do know this. We will not see fewer black men and black women shot by the police by doing things exactly the same way that we've been doing them. But that's hard. Engaging in self-examination, asking the people around you to do that work of reforming systems is very costly. And doing it while loving our enemies is even harder, but Christ calls us to this work. Because in the end, laying down our lives in this way, following Christ in this way, is all that will save us. The reality of our lives is that each moment we live brings us closer to our moment of earthly death. We only get so many days, so many moments. We can use those moments to clamor for power, importance, security, and glory. For ourselves as individuals, we can use those moments to 
bust our tails to keep things exactly the same way as they've always been because, oh, that's just so comfortable. Or we can lay down our lives for the greater good. Christ Jesus has made it possible for us to lay down our lives and in turn find the fullest of lives possible because Christ himself has laid down his own life. And not only that, he was raised from death three days later. In this moment, Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, he has transformed death into life. And though death continues to grip us, it now has no lasting power over us. So the one who lays down her life in service to God and neighbor will find a new and everlasting life by the power of Jesus Christ. In the end, there is nothing left to do but change the plans that we may have had in our heads and follow this one we call Messiah. Let us take up our crosses once again today and go where this Jesus leads us. Down the path of humility and service. Down the path of love of enemies. Down the path of death to life. In Jesus' name, Amen.